Hey, you guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. I know I had wanted to start a podcast for years and I just didn't know how to get started. Anchor made it so simple by giving me all the tools to record, edit, and even distribute my podcast across listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I remember thinking like, okay, God, I haven't prayed to you in a very, very long time. But if you are real and if you care about me, I need to feel it. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Raised and Redeemed podcast. This is your host, Michaela Nikolenko. Today, I'm interviewing Michaela Hantula, otherwise known as Mick Whitney, and we're talking all about relationships, healing from sexual trauma, and finding your identity in Christ rather than in the world. This is a message for little sisters everywhere on the goodness to come when you give up the world and instead choose to be obedient to God's word. Without further ado, let's get on to the show. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited. (laughs) So I don't know how exactly we, I know we met on TikTok. I'm not sure how it happened. We really, we create similar content. So I think it just makes sense that we, yeah, we come into each other's worlds. Yes. Yeah. I think just like a for you page moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was looking at your Instagram and I don't know if you do anything with fashion or what, but you're like your whole Instagram is so aesthetic and your fashion taste is so important. Yes. Yeah. Do you do like influencing or anything like that? Or is that the goal of what you're moving towards? Um, no, and probably not, but I, I don't know. I think growing up, like I was always pretty girly in the sense of like, which is so funny because I have brothers and my mom's not girly. So she's probably like, how did this happen? But like, I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I always had like the makeup done, the hair done. I love like dressing up and like all the drama, making up the dances and stuff like that. So I just really like stuff like that. But huh? honestly, the older I get, the more I'm just like, I don't really care. Like I post things just like that I like, like, oh, we're hanging out and we take a photo, yeah. I'll post it. Like, I'm not super thoughtful with that but I do like to like I like I'm an oversharer I would say like I over document things so no, it looks good. like I post a lot but it's just like I don't know I like sharing my life and like looking back getting exactly. the memories of like oh a year ago you guys were doing this like exactly. I don't know I don't know that I could do the whole influencing thing I don't think that's like my personality but if it came out of just like oversharing then that'd be fine as long as I didn't have to like create like a new persona that's what I think is so cool about like influencing and I'm not quite there yet but I am trying to get started in it is like it's you you know so like sharing is is it already seems like you do do that so it's just getting paid to do what you already do that's so true that's so true yeah Yeah. that I would not mind at all (laughs) exactly yeah so I'm trying to figure all of that out too but I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that um like your primary ministry isn't so much in what you're necessarily going out there and like saying to the world. It's not like what you're preaching, but it's in in how you love people yeah. and relationships and in your marriage primarily. Yeah. That's a big thing that I notice with you. Like I can tell very evidently your love for Jesus and your love for your husband. And I think it's just so sweet. And so yeah, I held you up from sharing too much because I would love your <laughs> how you met your husband, how that all came to be. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's my favorite thing to tell. So <laughs> him and I met at Grand Canyon University. I was there on the dance team. And my it was a blind date. Wait, let's back up. It was a group date situation where I was like on a blind date, but everyone on the dance team had a date. So like most people brought dates. My date failed. So I got set up <laughs> with some loser just to be quite honest it was not going well he was being disrespectful so I went to my big on the dance team that's what they call it Uh uh, and she was with my husband like he was her date okay 
So we met through them and it was just like, hi, like very casual. Uh, and they weren't dating or anything. They were just friends. But I think we like followed each other on social media somehow after that. So then from there on, we were just like friendly, you know, comment on an Instagram story here or there. Uh, and we'd maybe pass each other on campus, but it was like, it was nothing. Like I didn't, I don't even like, I didn't even think, oh, he's so cute. Like, I don't remember thinking anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a total stranger. And this was all part of God's timing for sure. Because had we dated, like I was not ready to be his wife in that moment. So I don't yeah. think dating him would have gone well then. So I'm really thankful that we didn't try. Uh, so then let's see. Later that summer when we were back home, so then we both were back in California. He lived in Southern California. I live in Central California. We would still like kind of talk and then it got more and more frequent and we finally exchanged numbers and we started like text messaging a lot, FaceTiming. And this was like summer 2018. And it was like only a month of texting. And I told my mom, like, I think I could marry this guy. And she's like, you're crazy. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm crazy, but I'm just telling you right now. Something about this guy is special. Mm-hmm. Um, he breaks it off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, just kidding. He's not the one. Oh, no. And I was like so confused. Like, wow, I just really over romanticized things per usual, whatever. Um, and then I started dating someone else, like right after that, which was also per usual for me. <laughs> um, and I dated that guy for like eight months-ish. And then when him and I broke up, Carson reached back out to me and when he had ended things with me he just told me like uh, I thought it was you know just the thing everyone says of like oh I'm just not ready yet like I need to grow and work on myself yeah and I was just like yeah 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 whatever like you're not into me it's fine um but turns out that really wasn't the case and he had actually just broken up with someone before dating me so he was like actually needing to work through some things yeah and that's what he did. He didn't date anyone that whole time and kind of, kind of like just patiently waited until he saw that I was single. Mm. And then he made a move, which I think is really funny and sweet that that happened that way. Um, so then he reached out and I was just like, I was with my friend and I was like, oh my gosh, Carson's asking like um, if he could take me on a date. And I had just gone through a breakup like three or four weeks ago. Like it was really fresh. And wow. she was like, just go for fun. And I even then was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I could date him for fun. Like, I really, really liked him. So I was just like trying to decide what to do. It, I would not advise to do what I did. It happened to work out for me. But looking back, I'm like shocked that I did that. I say the same thing with like how my husband and I got together. I'm like, okay, this was totally God. So like, don't do it the way I did it. But I feel like <laughs> God always does it that way though. Yeah. Right. Where I'm like, okay, I wouldn't like recommend this to like my daughter someday, but yeah, God has a way of making things work exactly how they're supposed to work. So we started dating and it became very clear very early on, like literally the first date that what I thought back in 2018 was right. Like I knew in my gut that he was just different, like mm. the way that he was so intentional and like clear. Um and the way that he protected me and like I felt at peace with him was something I had just never experienced. I was used to like playing games and having the guess and me being the one that would like be all in and like having to convince the other person to be yeah. all in. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, this is new. And he was so like all in that I was like almost intimidated. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you like me this much? I'm not used to this. <laughs> like, he was just, he was, it was too good to be true but it's still true. Like he wrote me love letters. Every time I came to visit, he would have like my favorite roses, yellow, even though it's a friendship rose. That's okay. <laughs> and, like, a, and a love letter. And he was just, he was just so thoughtful. Every date was so planned out. And like, uh, it was, he's just the sweetest guy ever. So dating was great. And he kind of had this plan of what he wanted to happen. And it all kind of went according to plan. Um, and we went and picked out a ring at six months. Um, but with like COVID and everything and like the writing that was going on in LA production stopped. So we didn't get engaged until like a year, our anniversary in September. Um, 
So we did a full year of dating before getting engaged. And then eight months after that in May, we got married. So he moved from Southern California to um, where I am in Central California. And we've been here since. (laughs) Your wedding pictures are literally the cutest thing. And it looks like you went through the whole experience. Like you had the, um, I don't understand all the parts of a wedding yet. Like I'm married, but we haven't had ours. But it looks like you documented it the whole way. So I love that, that your Instagram shows all that. Yeah, we actually, so my friends that we go to church with, sorry if you can hear the dog drinking water, it's a bit aggressive. (laughs) Uh, So they're videographers and photographers. We couldn't afford a videographer, so we just hired them as photographers. And she secretly was recording the whole day and as a gift to us, gave us a wedding video. And I was bawling. I could not believe, I'm like, best gift, best gift ever like yeah I we, we rewatch it every once in a while like even sometimes like if we'd be in a kind of a hard spot or just feeling like disconnected or something like one time he was like I have an idea and he like did that and I was like it was so thoughtful like it's mm-hmm. just so to go back and rewatch it and relive that day because it just reminds you of like how you felt on that day and like yeah. the promises that were made on that day are still so true and just to be able to like rewatch it is so cool I love to hear that his intentionality has carried through into the marriage and it wasn't just a thing to like hook you in the beginning but I know that was actually a concern I had even like voiced to my mom her and I am pretty close if you can't tell I'm always like <laughs> told my mom that. but yeah I was like I just worry that him being so romantic isn't real like yeah it's it can't be real and I think there's some truth to that like we were doing long distance so every time I saw him was amazing dates letters every single time roses every single time when you look when you're married you can't do that every day like what does that look like so there's still some adjustment to being in a long-term relationships obviously things will look different. But to me, it was so important that we continued to like date each other and be like thoughtful and show each other like, you know, flirt with each other, do things that are romantic. So then like, I'm still interested in you. I know we're married, but like, still India, you know, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. my husband and I, we talk about that a lot. um, Because before Jesus came in my life, I was like big into the party scene. So that was like, the kind of relationships that I had. And you know, he always talks about how like when you when you're with somebody just for like the weekend, it's like, you know, you have that highlight reel, which mm-hmm. is different than when you're living with someone 24 seven. So, you know, you're there for yeah. the highs, you're there for the lows. So like you, you can't said, put on your best face 24 seven. Exactly. Longer than two days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so like you said, going back and like rewatching that wedding video and remembering things like what we're founded on and why we made this commitment in the first place. I think that's a great piece of advice for like recentering when you are in a tough, tough spot or, you know, there there's just highs and lows in a marriage naturally. Yeah, exactly. So you said you grew up in a town where you said there's two gas stations, but 12 churches, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. I'm from a, a tiny town too. So it seems like faith was all around you, but mm-hmm. did you did you ever like fall away or what was your what was your journey like with Jesus? Like when did you start living for Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about people that come from similar situations is to me um is that it's interesting when you grow up in a Christian home, going to church, kind of everyone around you knows the name Jesus. They know the stories. There's no like shocking, like nobody could have come up to me and been like, oh, let me share this good news with you. I'd have been like, yeah, I know it. I've known it. I've been knowing it. Like it's, this isn't shocking to me. So I think for me, it was experiencing it in that, Mm. like I met from a young age, I saw, I remember even like swinging in like second grade, I would sit and just talk to God. I don't don't think I was safe then, but I remember knowing like there is truth in scripture and God matters and I want to know him. And those were simple thoughts, but I remember even from a young age, like being so curious about God, you know, Mm -hmm. so I would ask questions. I would 
I'm, I'm like such a question asker. I have to like, even in math class, you couldn't just tell me the answer. I needed to know why. Like, tell me how yeah. we get there. Make it make sense for me. Yeah. So I questioned everything and like just really worked for answers and wrestled with things. And my family went to church really consistently up until like third grade. My grandpa passed away and we stopped going. Um, mm. I think hard for my dad and like there was a lot of unresolved things there I think so it kind of like we fell away as a family um but it still was important to me and as I got older like more into junior high I took it upon myself to go with a friend or um go to like summer camp and stuff like that because I knew that it was important and like I think the Lord was just like slowly kind of stirring in my heart even then Mm-hmm. And then I, oh, high school is so rough for me. I mean, I could literally talk for five hours about that, but <laughs> oh my gosh, girl, highlight takeaway. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was so bad. I fell in love in like, I don't know, freshman year. I was probably 13, 14. I was on the kind of younger side. And I like really fell in love. And falling in love that young, I think, really does something to you. Like, I would not recommend it because um, he was everything, you know, like I, I would lose, I would do anything to be with him. And it got to the point where um, he was more important than my relationship with the Lord. And um, even though like I would have all these highs at like summer camp and at church, I'd come back and get into these bad habits of like wanting to please him, wanting to please my friends, caring about popularity and yeah, just stuff like that, like stuff of the world. I was so consumed by worldly things and when that relationship failed in such a hurtful way, um, it completely destroyed me. And I think I just started to spiral. So there's this like pattern of failed relationships and then me spiraling. And um, I wasn't saved at this point, but I had lost my virginity to him really young. Mm-hmm. And it just it just destroyed me. Like I really wanted to save myself self until marriage and then like convincing myself at this young age that I was going to marry him so it was okay and then dealing with the repercussions like the the real real consequences of that after like you know I was an emotional wreck and then I had a lot of failed friendships on top of it so it got to the point where I just felt completely misunderstood I felt lost I felt um like everyone was against me and that nobody had my back and these were all, um, for the most part, lies. There's obviously some truth to what was happening, but yeah, uh, I let Satan get to me, and I became crippled with anxiety and depression. And I just felt like I didn't want to be alive anymore. I just it. I I was so like ashamed and covered in guilt that I'd look at myself in the mirror and just cry, and be like, I don't, I don't like you, and I don't like, I don't want to be here anymore. And it was just such a dark place that I was like, I was scared of those thoughts. But I was like, this is more painful. To be alive is more painful than to just not be here anymore. That's like what I would think. And just, I get emotional because it's like, if I, like, I hate that I thought that, but that's just like where I was, that's where I was at. I would like leave school, like, you know, throwing up from anxiety. Like it was just, I was a mess. So I um, actually was getting suicidal. And I remember being on the bathroom floor and like, at this point I had been having a lot of migraines. So I had like kind of stronger pills and stuff. And I remember like looking up if it could kill me. And I was like on the bathroom floor, like bawling and just trying to decide like, and knowing like, I don't want to do this, but it would relieve the pain is what I remember thinking. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, okay, God, I haven't prayed to you in a very, very long time, but if you are real and if you care about me, I need to feel it. And I remember just like the comfort and like peace that I felt was just like, it was, there was nothing else but the Lord. Like, I wish everyone could feel that because I can't explain it wow. to make it make sense. Yeah. Unless you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I just, I knew that like the Lord was with me and that he was fighting for me. And that like, I remember saying like, okay, I can't do this alone and I need you. And I think it was the first time of me giving up that control and saying, that I want help I need I need you to save me like I recognized my need for a savior and was just like um helpless and I recognized that and I asked the Lord to help me and save me and change my heart and 
he did. Oh so, goodness. and of course it wasn't as simple as like, we're saved. Now we have this like easy walk with the Lord ahead. Like <laughs> actually some of the hardest stuff I faced came up, came exactly. like after that, um, which I don't think I would have gotten through unless this happened first. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. I was just reading something that was talking about like ambition and stuff and how it looks different for everybody. And it doesn't mean you have to be like working to get that um, amazing career goal or maybe like run the best race time, like whatever it may be. It just means that you're driven to your personal mission and your goals. And it could be anything, stay at home mom, businesswoman, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think for me, my heart is just that I want to love people well and having gone through kind of a lot, not, I'm not, I don't like to say that because it always sounds like I'm like pitting myself or like, no. like people have gone through much worse, but you know what I mean? Like I, there have been certain things that I've experienced that uniquely shaped me into who I am today. And I think that if I can just take that pain and turn it into a purpose, mm-hmm. that would be. And I'm still kind of like, to be honest, I think I'm in kind of kind of like an in-between stage of figuring out like, how do I want to do that? You know, like I've thought about writing a book or starting a podcast or writing a blog thing. Like, I don't know. There's so many different things you could do. Yeah. But I think like God's just been putting it on my heart lately to share. And I think the point of that would be to connect, right? Like, what's the point of sharing if it doesn't reach anyone like the point for me would be to connect to be relatable and to be able to say like I see you in your pain I get it I've been there and there is hope and if I can do that whether it's to my kids or you know starting a daycare writing a blog whatever it may be or just the people in my life like that's all I care about is sharing the good news of Jesus with my community with my people and then if it's like bigger than that great you know yeah and honestly, I think we always look for these like grand ways to to go about it. But like you said, it's like, it's like right here, it's right now. And it's, it's just, it's in how you're showing up to work that day, writing a book and starting a podcast. Those are really great things to do as well. But it also is just in how you talk to the person at the grocery store. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love those reminders so much. Like that's actually happened a few times. So I actually like in Sprouts, somebody was asking me about melatonin something for their daughter and asked if because she heard me on the phone with my grandma talking about it and she asked if it helps with anxiety long story short we had this very long conversation in the middle of sprouts vitamin aisle we were both crying and I prayed for her at the end Uh wasn't necessarily a believer but just the fact that I saw an opportunity to speak truth into her life and I did it and then it ended up being such a blessing, not just to her, but to me. Like, I walked away being like, wow, God, like, the Lord wants to use us. You just have to be willing. Like, if we act out in obedience to the Lord, like, there's so much that we could do if we would just obey. And I'm stuck in that right now. Like, when you feel callings on your heart, that's the Lord putting that on your heart. And really, it's all, it's like disobedience to continue to ignore that and ignore that out of fear. Yeah, like that's the Lord. And on the flip side of that, it's like, how good to obey the Lord and the passion that he's put in your heart for certain things, you know, mm. Not ever like I have plenty of friends that are more shy than I am that love the Lord just as much as I do, that maybe aren't gifted in that specific way. Yeah, like in plenty of other ways, but maybe not that specific way. So right. for me, it's like, okay, if I know that I'm comfortable talking to complete strangers about some of the hardest moments in my life I should probably be doing that (laughs) yeah and I personally I'm feeling convicted to do more of that in person as well just like slowing down when you're out in public 
seeing the people around you I get really caught up in like being on a mission I'm like I'm here for one thing and I I just have to get it look at me yeah 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 but actually seeing the people around you because you know God places all those people there too right exactly like that was not a mistake that he did that yeah absolutely is there any other part of your story that you you know feel like you would like to share okay wow yeah this is this is where I have a hard time like compartmentalizing because I feel like there's so much that I could say that it's hard to know like where to start honestly um like I could talk about struggles with friendships for an hour I could talk about like unhealthy eating habits and bad relationship with exercise for another hour or like failed relationships or like finding your identity in your sport like all those different things have such a huge role in who I am and like how I came to truly like start living for the Lord but I think like for me the most important thing that I would want to mention that I think um maybe people don't talk about enough is that I experienced a lot of sexual trauma, I would call it, Mm. um, after I was saved. Mm. And that caused a lot of, I guess, like, delayed obedience. Like, the sanctification, I feel like, didn't start happening in ways that you could visibly see fruit until, like, two years after I became a Christian and that caused a lot of doubt I remember thinking like I know that you don't earn your salvation I know that yeah but I remember being very aware of that (laughs) do you know what I mean like I remember being like well there's just no way I'm a horrible horrible person I can't stop this sin I am stuck I am like I was like I'm still a slave to this sin like does that mean I'm not saved like I that's what I felt and I know that like Satan was using lies to keep me away from God. And that's the best tactic to just, he wants us to not be in the word. He wants us to not repent. He wants us to think that we are Adam and Eve in the garden hiding as if God doesn't already know. Yeah, as if yeah. God's not there saying, come to me, like, please come to me. And that was me through college. And I, um, when I was, so I'll back up a little bit. When I, after I was saved, in like December of 2016 so this was like April and then like December um I was in a good place um it might have been like November actually I was in a good place with the Lord and I felt like you know kind of on this high you know that high that you get when you're like just saved like oh yeah just in the word every day you were just nailing the honeymoon yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was me and I started dating someone that I had been really close friends with for years since like eighth grade. And he and I um, had a really like close friendship, but he always wanted to date me. And I just wasn't like physically attracted to him. And therefore I like didn't see that working out, but I thought really highly of him and appreciated the way that he always made me feel seen. And like when things would go wrong with, you know, another guy or a friend, he'd be there to put me on this pedestal and just make me feel amazing. So after a while, and after dating some guys that were no good, um, I even had friends be like, well, why don't you just date Mm -hmm. him? And I was like, "Eh, I don't know. And I finally was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And um, when we started dating, I remember telling him that I was waiting till marriage. Because very early on in our dating, and it was, we weren't like boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were dating. He would like start mentioning physical stuff, which I thought was odd. But then I had to remember like, he's been in love with me since eighth grade. So he's, he's here. And I'm like, just now entertaining the idea of us being together. And that led to him kind of pressuring me into like having sex with him. And I stood my ground. And this is, this is what hurts him that I want to emphasize. Like I, I very much stood my ground and was like, no, this is important to me. I know I had had sex before, but I, um, I, I, this is important to me and I am born again and I want to live like it. So that was something I had told him and he was like, okay, okay. Yeah. 
and then time would pass and he'd bring it up again and it finally got to the point where I'm like I don't think you're taking me seriously I think you think that I'm going to change my mind finally was like I don't think this is working you are pressuring me into this and we clearly are on different paths in our lives and he was like yeah you're right let's break up and then I got upset (laughs) because I was like wait 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 you've been trying to date me since eighth grade and now senior year four years later because I won't have sex with you you're gonna like we're done that's how that works I ended up getting upset that he was acting that way um and he came and apologized and we had tried we tried to say okay that didn't work but let's try to be friends Mm -hmm. and I had lost a lot of people in my life friend wise and just relationship wise all around that I I should have said no I don't like I don't need a friend like that I'm okay but I I was holding on desperately to anyone that yeah I considered a friend so we remained friends and one night I was over at his house when we were doing I believe math homework and I think I was on independent studies at this time actually just kind of recouping from like being depressed and anxious and trying to like kind of figure things out before going back Mm -hmm. and he actually raped me that night there's no easy way to say that but (laughs) so when we were doing homework he like had turned off the lights and had um you know started to undress and stuff and like kiss me and I remember when he was kissing me just being like trying to play it cool like hey 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 we're we're supposed to just be friends remember like I think I was just trying to, like, nothing in me was scared of him. Do you know what I mean? This wasn't the guy I met at the bar. I mean, I was 17, so of course not. But you know what I mean? This wasn't a stranger. This was someone I had knew my whole life. Um, or at least it felt like, you know, like, when you go to elementary school with someone, you're like, you know them. So I wasn't scared until it was too late. And I realized that, like, he wasn't listening to me. He wasn't respecting my no and he kept pushing the boundary and I completely froze like Mm -hmm. I remember just tears streaming down my face you know I think it can almost be more traumatic when it's somebody that you know like that versus a stranger yeah you would expect and I I hate comparing stuff like that because I've talked to people of so many different stories but I know for me that was so painful to just be like I trusted you I trusted you and you completely betrayed me and in the way that it was handled after that like midway he was like are you crying and I was just like are you kidding like is this a joke yeah I've been crying like I was so confused and angry as to how in his mind he was pretending to be surprised like I I just I truly wish that I could go back in that moment and I mean punch him in the face I guess but I know that like people that have gone through that know that like you freeze or not everyone handles it the same way but for me I froze and I just I was just like this isn't happening this isn't happening and then all of a sudden it's like oh you're crying and it man I just that night was it changed a lot and I I still like can you know you like I know the smells I know what I was wearing I know all of that and I know like I remember running out of his house and being like getting in my car and just falling and being like that did not happen that did not happen and then I drove home and I didn't talk about it because I was just like that's not a part of my story so I just like tucked it away and I probably would have like never brought it up again but I I had some really bad experiences like right after that like an older man pursued me and at this point already I was like spiraling because I think in my head I was like okay obviously this is what I am to people Mm -hmm. like this is a big part of what makes me interesting or why people would pursue me so I don't want to be lonely forever and I don't and I like the attention so Maybe if I own it and I just am okay with it and I say yes, then it won't hurt because then you're not taking it from me. I'm giving it to you. And there was a man that um, was at least 25. I was still 17, um, pursued me and, you know, things happened. And which is, even if I did say yes, is statutory rape uh-huh. because I was a child legally. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, it's like, wow, just taking advantage of 
right back to back is really, really harmful. And then at that point, like I just was refusing to feel anything. I got so numb. My heart was so hardened. And I remember just saying like, I would rather live this life than feel this pain and go through that. I don't want to go through that. So then right after that, these guys were all in our mix. Like I'm <laughs> saying this casually, but I'm not like proud of any of this. Obviously it brings out like, it's really, really painful. Yeah. But I started dating this guy, again, still in independent studies. I didn't know this guy, but he was at the high school. He had just transferred. He apparently had a very bad reputation for being abusive. I did not know that. Um, and we started dating. And I really liked this guy. I was like missionary dating at this point. Like I, I knew I was saved, obviously was like still dealing with a lot. But I was like, I see the good in you and I can save you. Is kind of how I was acting. Yeah. I think that all stemmed from not knowing my worth and not thinking I could actually date a good, solid Christian man. So it's like, well, I'll just date the if man and like hope that he can get there. I don't know. Just yeah. psychoanalyzing what I could have been thinking. But yeah. anyway, so we started dating in a little bit ways. And my older brother completely did not support it. And him and I's relationship became very strained. And one night I had told the guy that I was dating, like how I missed my brother and like we used to be close and we've been fighting ever since because like he just doesn't want us to be together. And he laughed and then slapped me in the face and he kept laughing and he's like, I'm just being playful. And I was like, oh my, I need to leave. And then I left mm -hmm. and he, and it like, it was, a, it was a man slap. This wasn't like, I don't know what a playful slap looks like maybe that tortilla challenge would be yeah a right. it was not that so I left and I was I remember being like okay god what is happening I thought we were good <laughs> I'm saved we're supposed to be good this is not good and I was just so frustrated at god that this was what life was like as a Christian in my head that ended up coming out I had told a friend of mine that told a cousin of mine, this is what living in a small town was like, and it got back to my parents. So it actually came out when my mom, being a child of domestic abuse, um, was not playing games here and, you know, demanded my honesty. And I was honest with her and tried to play it off. And she, I'm so thankful because she shut it down and she called him and his family over, her parents over for a family meeting <laughs> and confronted what had happened and was like, you, you know, you are not to be near my daughter ever again. And if you are, if, if it, like, if it becomes a problem, there will be a restraining order filed in. Wow. Nothing, it ended, like nothing ever happened after that. But I, I just remember it all coming to a head at that point when it was, when it was brought into the light and that darkness was being exposed and I had to face it, then it was like, well, what about this? What about this? Don't you remember that night? That was worse than what he did. So I think I was just, I finally told my mom, I need to go to therapy. And that was where, for the first time I admitted, I was raped. And it was the first time four months later, like a year after being baptized, I was finally facing this trauma. And I was just really, really not sure how I was going to get through it. I started to work through that and heal from that. And then I went to college at GCU, now struggling with new sins. <laughs> I was yeah. the GCU dancer and it really became my identity. And I still was struggling with these toxic relationships, um, bad friendships, bad romantic relationships and sexual sins. And I had just completely like accepted the fact that like that's why men were interested in me and I tried to convince myself that I was okay with that um, because I really believed that that would be less painful than going through rape again or even like being told well then I don't want to be with you. What changed things for me was not making the dance team. Tryouts happened like March, April and I remember just being so down like my, I almost was feeling depressed again, but more just like apathetic towards life. Like I was numb. I was still numb and trying to act like I was okay, but I didn't even practice for auditions. I didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when I didn't make the team, I was still shocked. Like it was like 
all of a sudden, everything that I had identified myself with was gone. And I didn't know how to like process that. I And I remember on my way back from auditions, I ran into the guy that I had been like basically hooking up with. And I had told him what happened. <laughs> Instead of comforting me, he told me that he would never date someone that wasn't a dancer. Like that's why he was into me. Then he told me to delete his number. What? <laughs> I was just like slapped in the face again with this brutal honesty. I went back to my room and just lost it. And my friend, my lifelong friend that was my roommate at the time was out of town on vacation. So I called my college friend that I had met in psychology class and she came over and I cannot thank her enough for what she said in this moment. She reminded me that my identity is not in what I do or who my friends are, or who I date, or in my sin, but they're in Christ. And she's like, I think you've been forgetting that. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know, I know that can be hard. And like you said, this is your, your first time sharing it. So like a big part of healing is talking about it and is sharing about it. And the more you, like the first times you share it, you still you're reliving it you're still feeling it and the more times you you tell it you can you it's a faint memory of how you felt um but you don't feel it as strongly over time is what i've noticed there's things that i'm still healing from too that happened you know within the past couple of years even and i honestly this is a good reminder for me too to know like okay i healed from all those other things i'm going to heal from this too you know it's yeah. just it's just time and sharing and growing closer to God in that. So I'm excited to hear your, your redemptive part. <laughs> yeah, the redemptive yeah. part. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think for so long I've been withholding from telling this story out of like protecting him, which is odd to admit. But I think that like growing up in a small town, like to be completely honest, if people thought about it, they could figure out exactly what I was talking about. And that kind of scares me. Um, but I don't care <laughs> anymore. I think being married and being more secure in my relationship with the Lord and understanding that like, I can't do anything legally about what happens anymore. And that really sucks. I wish I could go back and do things differently. Um, but I can still, I don't, I, I don't have to shut myself up to protect him out of fear of like what could happen because now I'm not sharing some pain that I went through that now has been so impactful on the rest of like my life for what like God obviously is such a purposeful intentional God and I I feel like I'm being disobedient by just keeping like I'm not really it's to protect myself too you know mm -hmm. like I say to protect him, but I guess being honest, it's to protect myself too. But yeah, so I guess sharing it is just like the first step in owning it and saying like, um, it is a big part of me and who I am today. And I'm not going to let him define my story any more than he already has. So I don't want him to get to decide whether or not I share or what I share. I want that to be up to me and yeah. to God and to my husband. And Amen. that's it. Just like a side note, I love how when you get married and you, you come into a relationship with Jesus too, you just really feel this like protective shield yeah. or like you don't care as much anymore. Like it literally, I always say, I feel like I'm in a nest now. Like I'm in like this safe nest. Yes. Carson is the mother bird to my nest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just feel like now I can say things and know that like, as long as I'm like, being truthful and honest and living according to the Lord and pursuing holiness. Like I don't care what other people like think. I don't have that fear of being accepted because I am in this safe, encouraging marriage and my relationship with the Lord is in a really good place. So yeah. the fear of like walking on eggshells or like people pleasing is like so out the door for me. You're a child um, of the kingdom too. So I, I love to remember like when I get nervous to share things online, I'm like, okay, so God has all these, all these angels, all these people, right? And then a third, a third fell, like Satan took a third of the angels with him. So I'm like, God still has so many more people. There's so many more angels. There's so many more that are a part of the kingdom than 
that are a part of the fallen side, the dark side. So yeah, that's yeah, so good. Knowing well, that, yeah, you're well, not alone. Like, yeah, you're not alone. And like, even if you are alone, like sometimes I remember feeling like that, like on social media, but it's like, who cares? You know, like, I, I don't know, maybe that's too simple thinking but like I know when when you think of posting something that's like controversial whatever that may be you have to know that like if it is in alignment to the bible I don't have to take it personally when people disagree with me because they're disagreeing with the lord and I'm like I don't have to defend I don't have to over explain I don't have to make it about me because if I'm genuinely sharing things that I believe are truth and that they're good I believe that what I'm sharing is good and for the benefit of other people and for the glory of God, like that's okay if if other people think it's, you know, bigoted or hateful or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like it's it's not being directed back at you. It's like literally it's Christ in you and it's it's his word that you're sharing. So it does, it takes so much pressure off. Yeah. And I obviously haven't thought that way and I think I'm still growing in that area, but um, kind of going back to my story, like when I left college and left um, Grand Canyon University, came back to California, I had to face a lot of the things that I had been putting off. And it came with like, kind of just, I think the Lord was just sanctifying my heart. And I was just praying for, like, I knew that I was identifying with being a dancer and that I had picked up a lot of really unhealthy or just toxic habits when it came to eating and exercise and the way I viewed myself and kind of idolized um, my body and different things like that. So I had to like wrestle with all of that. And I think that it became very obvious that like the Lord had better plans for me. And then that, you know, that thing happened with Carson and I got a little taste of what it's like to talk to a good guy. And then it like slipped out of my fingers. And I remember part of the theme I'm bringing up is that I remember feeling like I wasn't Christian enough for the Christian guys, but I wasn't, I was too Christian for like the other guys, if that makes sense. So I couldn't like, and I obviously I keep talking about guys. If you can't figure it out, I loved relationships. I always wanted to be in a relationship. I was always talking to someone and I'm I'm not saying that, like it's a good thing because it's not but that's just the truth I was I was the same way for high school sweethearts and they were very much in love um, and I wanted that so badly and I had wanted to be a mom since I was a child so the fact that I was constantly wanting to be in relationships is really not that surprising when you consider all of that yeah because then when God redeemed it look what he had for you like he did have you know a godly loving husband for you and he had yeah you know, the relationship with him for you, it's like you just looked for it in the wrong places before. But the fact that you were looking for it, what that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right. So when I, even like when I, like the guy that I had dated before, Carson even, I think was like the first time that I, that's when I really started to realize like what I wanted in relationships. And a big part of that is just like the fact that I was I was wanting to turn away from my sin more and more, right? And that's what happens when the Lord sanctifies you. I think you start hating your sin more and more. And I remember being in that relationship and being kind of manipulated into doing X, Y, and Z. I had told this ex at the beginning of our relationship what had happened in high school. And I remember him being like, oh, well, like, I'm a virgin. And I don't know if I want to date someone that's not. And, like, it's a lot of, like trauma you know and I was like and I remember like instead of being offended like I I should have been like okay see ya (laughs) yeah and that's what I would do now and like who I am now that's how I would respond but I was very um insecure and seeking approval from other guys still so when he had said that I was like okay I will earn your love I will be the best I will buy you so many things <laughs> it's gonna be great I'm just gonna force it and I tried to do that for eight months and then there were times where I um, was having to lead the relationship and say like you know well I don't think we should be doing like getting as close to sex as we can for instance like I remember that being a big thing for me is there was so many like Christian guys that weren't pursuing holiness the way that I wanted to so I felt like I was like trying to be like okay am I good enough for you no not really but you'll still date me okay 
Mm -hmm. So it was like he was doing me a favor by being with me. So then when stuff like this would come up, I it was like working in my head like, I'm sorry, you didn't want to be with me because I'm not a virgin, but now you're wanting to do what? Yeah, like, right. How was that pursuing holiness? How is that honoring to the Lord? Like, you, you can make excuses for your sin all you want, but sin is sin. And like, it's one thing to be a repentance sinner. And it's also another thing to see how much can I get away with? And yeah, yeah. One of those attitudes shows a fruit of the spirit and one of them doesn't. And I think I finally started to see like that I didn't have to earn that and that I can stand boldly in what I know to be true. Even if it means I lose everything else. Part of the points I was looking at when I was looking back on my story is how I just got so tired of sacrificing so much of like who I am and what I knew to be true, like what I believed in to please other people. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt like it, you know, it gets, that's me looking for fulfillment in something other than the Lord. And it gets tiring. I think I was just tired. And then obviously when Carson came into my life, I grew a lot um, as a believer, like going through that breakup, even like compared to previous breakups where maybe I would like maybe drink too much or text an ex, stuff like that. I was spending time in the word and I was praying because that relationship ended. And even though it hurt feeling like, you know, the other person didn't love you back. I had such peace because I knew that God had better. Even if it wasn't a relationship, I was so confident that God was better. Jesus was better than what I've been offered. My biggest takeaway from all of that, and like if I could go back and tell my younger self anything, it would be that living a life as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, truly pursuing holiness and wanting to live according to his word, will cost you something. You have to be willing to risk everything that you know to be true. You have to be willing to lose people, to lose jobs, to lose followers, to lose popularity. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order for the Lord to grow you. And I think when I finally accepted that and stopped trying to fit a mold and be loved by people, and I accepted the love that God had for me, it became so clear that what Christ had to offer me was so much better. So much, like it doesn't even compare. It doesn't, it doesn't even come close to the greatest offer the world can make you. And when I finally like started to believe that and allowed the Lord to like change my heart and I spent time in his word and I spent time in prayer and I decided that I am going to be bold and courageous in in the truth and i'm not going to mend in order to get affection or friends or anything like that like Amen. it just it was a 360 and i think that was that's what was so crazy it's like i was a christian this wasn't this wasn't when i was saved i was already saved and of course i questioned that like i think most people do like if i struggled with sin that much was i really saved but it's like those sins were just obvious i still sin every day <laughs> that was something that I felt stuck in like I felt like a slave to certain sins like you know you get on the high of being saved and then it's like Satan is going to try his best to keep you away from God because the last thing that he wants is someone on fire for Christ exactly. so that was like it was like attack after attack after attack just like the spiritual warfare and I think that it took probably three years after being saved maybe less, maybe like two, two and a half, but a good amount of time to yeah. finally be like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. To <laughs> and then we're like, Christ. yeah. And that's when like Carson and I started dating and I really got lucky. Like the way that we started dating was so, you know, I, I he could have been just another one of the guys and he ended up being so different. And I'm so thankful for that. But, and I, maybe that's how I knew just that he was someone that encouraged my walk so much. And like, when you get into a relationship with someone that's good for you, whether it be a friend or a mentor or uh, someone that you're dating, I think you'll see that in your walk with the Lord. Like when I finally was dating someone that was running after Christ the way that I was, it showed. And I think I just want to give hope to the women that feel, or girls even, that feel stuck 
in their sin and they feel scared that they're going to lose too much in order to stand firm in what they believe in, whether it be the parting scene, the, I don't know, maybe you're anorexic or you're having sex and you know you shouldn't, but you just can't give it up. What if he breaks up with me? Like all those lies that Satan uses to keep, especially, I mean, it's guys and girls, obviously I have a women's perspective, but I just feel like women are so emotional that those lies of like, the feelings of it all can keep you from going to the Lord. And I just like, my hope is to show girls that like, I get it. And I've been there and I know that hurt. And I know the fear of just saying, I give it to you, Lord, like whatever you want for my life. That's what I want for my life. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to force it. I'm not going to try to people please or mold like I just I didn't want to fight anymore I wanted the Lord to fight for me and trust that like the battle's been won and I don't have to exhaust myself trying to have a place in this world that we weren't we're not meant to have a place in really that's like a mic drop like I don't even really have much (laughs) to add to that no that was fantastic and it makes me think just like one final thought about how while the love of the Lord is unconditional, you don't have to earn it, you know, anything like this, his blessings do require obedience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you, as soon as you started to obey and really, you know, seek after him and and follow the life that he had for you, it's like, then you meet Carson, your husband comes into your life and the blessings that God had for you, he could finally give to you because you were finally holding that close to him. Yeah, I know. It's so, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, everyone that comes to know the Lord, you know, they were dead in sin, right? We were dead in sin, but I think there's something so special about seeing someone where you can like visually see the 360 in their life of going Mm -hmm. from totally living like the Lord or like the world to suddenly like an unrecognizable life. I think there's something so incredibly special and powerful in that. And I think I'm just really thankful that like, I don't recognize my old self. And like, no matter how casually I may have said some of that crazy stuff that happened, like, I don't recognize her. She is a stranger to me. She's dead. I knew like I am a new person now. And I just think like, if I could just like, share that with people and allow them to see like there is hope in Jesus and his way is better then I'm good like even just one person would be oh little sisters all over the world yes yes I know I honestly like I think part of my passion is like high school ministry and even junior high ministry but just because I had such a hard high school experience like you know the breakups the friend breakups the betrayal the the depression the anxiety the going on homeschool episode like all of that is just so heavy but rich in lessons and I think that like especially in this day and age like it's so common I'm not unique in any way like people go through what I went through way more it's just people aren't talking about it and I understand why I totally understand why but I think the more that we can talk about it the more that we can prevent it for instance had I had more people speaking out about this horrible you know culture rape culture and all of that like maybe I would have reported it maybe I would have felt confident to be like okay my voice will be heard and the best thing I can do for other women is report it. It's not just, and even what I'm doing right now, this isn't the best thing I can do. It's the best thing I can do now, but like I I should have reported it to make sure that this is taken seriously and to um, approach it the way God would, right? Like he he seeks justice. And I think that's what we should encourage people to do. But I think I don't want to like limit myself just because, okay, I didn't do that. So now I can't do anything. Like I still want to be able to. That will always be your story. This will be the gift that you're going to keep on giving. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really glad that you you took the time and that the baby and the dogs and they were all just a part of it. It was so much fun. <laughs> I know. This is Nanny Life and she's just the easiest baby ever. But I'm really thankful that before I went on vacation and like it just happened to work out today, obviously. So I'm really thankful, like so nervous at first, but just praying about it and journaling about it, like... I really am really thankful for the opportunity to share uh, my story and just like the way that the Lord has worked in my heart and grown me so much, even within the past 
like couple of years. It's I'm just so thankful. Absolutely. And where can people find you so that they can stay a part of this journey with you? Yeah, I know. Maybe I'll start sharing more on social media. Um, <laughs> um, what is my Instagram? My Instagram is mick, M-I-K dot Whitney. And then I think my TikTok is mick dot Whitney as well. M-I-K dot Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. So. Yeah. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thank you.